Public Lab started up in 2010 following the BP oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico. After this oil spill, there was a real lack of transparency and really limited information available to residents who wanted to know what this oil spill was going to impact their lives. Welcome to Kids Lab, a podcast for parents, educators, and everybody interested in STEAM education. Today on the show, we're talking to Mimi Spahn-Sattler. She's the education manager at Public Lab and is also a hands-on educator focusing on making environmental science and research accessible for all. So I got in touch with the Public Lab via a Kickstarter campaign. I really like the idea of creating a simple, easy-to-build DIY microscope that can be used in the classroom, for example. And that microscope even uses a transformed webcam that plugs into a smartphone or a computer so many kids can see what's going on at the same time. The Public Lab is also about breaking down barriers of access, making science as approachable as it can be and involve everybody in this process. I'm really fascinated by their mission. So I contacted the organization that created the Kickstarter, which is Public Lab, and they recommended to talk to Mimi. She happens to be the education manager for Public Lab, and I guess it's a perfect fit for the show. So Mimi lives in New Orleans, Louisiana, USA, and she works on expanding the educational programs of this organization. So she has a BA in neuroscience from the University of Southern California and earned her master's in cell and molecular biology at Tulane University. Among her tasks at Public Lab is building a network for educators interested in making their classrooms part of the Public Lab community and thereby learn from the great projects and experiences that this community has created. For this podcast, we'll initially be focusing on the Community Microscope Kit. That's the project I got initially interested in. But Public Lab has many other things to offer, and I hope to give you a good overview as there's really a lot you should look into. If you'd like to see the Community Microscope Kit in action, just head over to kidslab.dev and check out the episode blog post. Again, that's kidslab.dev. So hi, Minnie. Welcome to the Kids Lab podcast. I'm really happy you're here. Um, how are you doing today? Doing well, doing well. Excited to get to talk to you today. So Mimi, you are the education manager of Public Lab, which is a nonprofit organization that's all about democratizing science and it's about environmental issues that affect people. Can you quickly outline what the Public Lab is doing and when it was founded, for example? Yeah, so Public Lab started up in 2010 following the BP oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico. After this oil spill, there was a real lack of transparency and really limited information available to residents who wanted to know what this oil spill was going to impact their lives. Um, and so a group of concerned people from all kinds of walks of life, there were designers, environmental activists, residents, they all got together and created their own satellite imagery by launching cameras into the air on kites and balloons. And those images were stitched together to create real-time data about the oil spill. Today, the Public Lab community has grown into an international group of people that are working to build this shared knowledge space and strengthen our communities. Public Lab community members, they share information, different you know, activities and protocols, designs for new tools, and they organize around different environmental topics or concerns. 
Public Lab uses a methodology that we call community science, in which research is open, it's participatory, and it foregrounds community-defined goals and needs. Wow, sounds very cool. So does Public Lab still have a local scope, or are you by now a US-wide organization or even a global initiative? While our home base is still here along the Gulf Coast, um, we, we we do have people working in our community nationally and internationally. Um, so our, our community has grown. So let's let's take uh, let's talk a little bit about the community microscope kit, which was my first touch point with the public lab. So that was a Kickstarter a while ago, and I was really fascinated by the idea of of building a, a very cheap uh, microscope that, that kind of can everybody can can buy and use. So how has the community microscope kit helped citizens and students to engage with their environment, and how did this project happen to be? What was the the main impact, the main idea behind it? The community microscope is really the result of a bunch of teams coming together, um, and it builds on the work of other open source science groups. So people uh, in places like Parts and Crafts, Hacketeria, or the, the Open Flexure Microscope, those are, you know, some of the, the projects that inspired this one. Um, and we really wanted to create a microscope like the community microscope um, so that there was something that was introductory that could really serve as an inroad for people who might be interested in DIY science or making or environmental monitoring, but that existing microscopes were more complicated that they were, than they were interested in or perhaps not quite at an introductory level. Um, so this microscope was really designed to be something that is both flexible and modular. The flexibility is important because it allows people to build things in a way that works for them. And it's not so regimented that if I move this bolt from one spot to another to make it more comfortable for me personally, this microphone, sorry, this microscope still works. Um, so it's something that you can really customize. Uh, and that modularity really helps to boost how much you can customize it. Uh, people are able to follow their own interest. If you want to upgrade the stage, if that's what you're interested in, you can do that. You can upgrade the lighting or the, the microscope objective lenses themselves and not compromise the ability of all of those systems to work together. Um, so... It's something that just we really want people to take and play with. And that was really the intent behind the design here. So are you still having lots of workshops around the community microscope kit at, at Public Lab then? Uh, is this like uh, still in use and do you have ongoing workshops for that? The community is still using this microscope. Uh, we don't host our workshops ourselves, but people who have found the community microscope are hosting workshops themselves. Um, so our community members are hosting a lot of things. Uh, there are regular events kind of throughout the U.S. and in a couple of places internationally as well. Very cool. So what's uh, what's really needed to build a microscope kit, right? Uh, it's a, I think it's $29, right? And you get um, a box with the with the ingredients of the microscope kit pretty pretty much and then you you build it. How much time does it take to build it and and how complex is it? It's not terribly difficult to build. Um, it takes about 15 minutes for uh, most adults. Maybe it might take a little bit longer if you have smaller hands. So perhaps it'd take, you know, 20 to 25 minutes with a younger school age child. And the microscope comes with a bunch of different lens options and things. Uh, so it depends on which version of the microscope you're working with. But typically when I'm working with young people, we're looking at anywhere from 15 to 25 minutes to build the whole microscope. 
And I think it plugs into uh, with a USB cable. It kind of plugs into a smartphone, for example, or into a computer. So what I really like about that is that multiple people can actually watch what's going on, right? So um, what is the reaction to the for for the kids or um, for for other people that that see that? It must be amazing, right? I think that people find it really powerful to be able to build the microscope the microscope themselves. And for young people, my experience is that that hands-on process of, you know, putting it together. I mean, how many other opportunities are kids getting to take apart a webcam and put it back together? I feel that it really deepens their understanding of the concept of how the microscope works and how the stage works. And really quickly, students are able to kind of get a, a, a really good handle on how to move the microscope and use it, but also that they think of ways to do it better. Um, and that's what's really impressive about it. Very nice. So you're the education manager at Public Lab, and you must be a lot uh, thinking about uh, you know, classroom settings and, and, and how to act there, basically, and how do kids react to the project and how to better uh, structure these projects, maybe. So what's your experience when, to, when it comes to the classroom? And how would you prepare as a teacher, for example, when you want to introduce the community microscope kit to your class? One thing that I recommend to educators who are going to bring these kits into their class is build it yourself first. Um, so when you open it, there are really great instructions. But as educators, I think that it's it's pretty common the way we've been socialized that students will look to you for help. Uh, so building it yourself and building some familiarity there really helps. The kit comes with what all of that you would need to start a lesson immediately. Um, it comes with microscope slides and things that you can have as well. Um, other things that I think are, are great to do with it is after they've built it, jump right into doing something. Um, if you build it and then you wait and take a lesson before they're actually able to use it, you can lose some of that momentum that's been built up. So what would you recommend to build for a first project? Like, is this like, would you typically take some kind of leaf of a plant, for example, or some... I know, some cells or so. What, what's a really good first project that's probably easy to prepare and still pretty amazing for the kids, for example? Those classic introductory microscope lessons work really well with the community microscope as well. So things like doing a cheek cell swab or looking at an onion cell is really, really cool. If you'd like to stick to kind of that ethos of something that's do-it-yourself, um, letting students experiment with different types of dyes, things like beet juice or ink from a pen, and use that on something that um, is really easy to compare across samples, like a plant cell, uh, it's really, really interesting for students. Another thing that is, is always fun to look at, have students bring in different samples of water from, you know, a puddle outside of their house or the lake that you live near. Um, those samples tend to have lots of things swimming around and moving. Um, and it, it really does, you know, impress upon young people that there is this whole microscopic world out there um, and that this is a tool we can use to explore it. So the Community Microscope Kit is one of the kits that the uh, Public Lab is selling. And there are lots of other kits. Um, so what are these other kits and uh, what can you do with them? We have a variety of kits available. Um, and that kits initiative is really a way that one of the ways in which Public Lab works to democratize science, make those tools more accessible and, and get them into the hands of communities that need them. 
So one example would be the Koki. It's a small conductivity sensor that's inexpensive and that you can build yourself. And instead of giving you a reading, it, it produces a tone uh, that's frequency is related to the conductivity of a sample. So that one's really cool and it's really intuitive in that People don't have to take a big data sheet back into the lab to understand the difference from one sample to another. Uh, also, we've got a suite of tools built around infrared imaging, and those are really, really interesting because we also have an online software called Infragram that you can use in conjunction with the infrared imaging, and many of those infrared kits you can view in real time uh, plant health and photosynthesis using the same technology that is loaded onto satellites that are launched by groups like NASA. Oh, wow, this sounds really amazing. Wow. I, I really love the infrared images personally. Yeah, great. You have to send me some links later on for the show notes. I will definitely put it there. Of course. Um, so you already mentioned, I think, this balloon kit, right? So if I understood you, you correctly, it all began with the balloon kit. Is that correct? Yes, the balloon mapping kit is is really the original public lab kit. And it's based off of the mapping done by those community members following the BP oil spill. So inside of that kit, you're going to get a huge six-foot-wide balloon, <laughs> a thousand-foot-long reel of string, and all the other materials that you'll need to build a camera rig and launch that balloon. One thing that's really cool about that balloon mapping kit is that there's no one way to build the rig for your camera. Um, and there's, um, it's, it's cool to see the things that both adults and young people come up with, with, you know, rubber bands and plastic bottles to put a camera a thousand feet in the air. So you can use that kit to make your own satellite imagery. And we have a free open source tool called MapNitter that people can use to stitch all the individual pictures that you take into one large map. And you can share that, not that map out with our community and help to build a shared knowledge base. And these balloon mapping kits have been used uh, for educational purposes, for community building purposes, but also for people to do things like monitor waste sites and investigate environmental issues. Um, and, and they've helped communities facing environmental injustice bring polluters to court and win. Wow, this is um, amazing. I'm really blown away. So um, one question I would still have for the balloon kit, though, is can I just kind of pump it up or fill it with gas basically and then just let it fly up in the air? Is this, are there some, some issues with some regulations? What, what's something we should probably uh, take care of? Is this just fine in all the countries? So the balloon mapping kit does use helium to launch the balloon. We've also got a kite mapping kit uh, because helium can sometimes be hard to source. Uh, you do have to look at your like local regulations. Um, here in the U.S., for example, um, if you're going to fly within five feet, uh, sorry, five miles of an airport, you've got to um, put in a flight plan. So you do have to check out because um, you're flying a thousand feet in the air. It's pretty high. You do have to check out your local rules, but you can follow a lot of the same rules that you would see shared on a drone community or a lot of um, aerial, there are national um, aerial photography groups in many countries or um, other kite flying groups can also help. They tend to have that kind of information. And the public lab community is a great place to start looking for those kinds of things. We've got people who are doing this kind of work in lots of different companies, excuse me, lots of different countries. And it's a great opportunity to reach out um, and share that knowledge person to person. Very cool. So I think the first step would probably then be go to go to the public lab community, to the forums and and ask about some of the specifics and then yeah, just just go ahead and and, and launch it, right? So very yeah. cool. 
<laughs> Love it. So um, the public lab must be planning something for 2020, right? We're just recording this end of 2019, so it's an excellent time to look into the future. Uh, what, if this, what are some of your specific goals for 2020? And can you share some of the things that the public lab is planning in 2020 maybe? Yeah, 2020 is actually our 10-year anniversary, so it's a really big year for us, and we're really excited. Um, you know, we're at the point as an organization where you know we've 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 built this movement, and we're we're looking forward to seeing it grow and making sure that it's something that is sustainable and continues in the future. Um, within the educational sphere, um, I'm really excited because we're expanding our lessons and activity and the the kits that we're able to offer. Um, and I'm personally really excited to share community science as a methodology in classrooms, because it's so different from the traditional science or even the citizen science that the students may have been exposed to. And I'm really hopeful that, you know, community science can allow all students to see themselves as people who do science and people who create meaningful knowledge. So are you working with some specific schools in this case? Um, do you have uh, teaching materials for these schools, for example? Yeah, so we're currently piloting on the Gulf Coast uh, community science projects that are student-led um, and student-designed. And all of the resources that we create, we're really an open source community. So if we write a lesson plan, uh, you can find it on the education page on our website, um, both ones that are created by me, by my coworkers, as well as other community members um, who are working in the educational sector. When I was reading up on the public lab and uh, you know figuring out what you guys are doing, I was I couldn't help to think about Fridays for Future, which um, at least here in Europe it's really big. Um, there are a lot of kids who really kind of don't go to school on Fridays and they're protesting for their future. And this was all started by Greta Thunberg, right? She's fighting for a future and she often refers to data science. I can't stop thinking that this is very related to to what you do, you guys are doing at the public lab. So. Do you have something planned around um, some kind of educational plans that are aligned with Fridays for Future, for example? So both myself and Public Lab are just immensely impressed with the way that this younger generation has taken the lead on climate action. I personally am really excited to see people taking on environmental issues at young ages. I mean, we're talking about 11 and 12 year olds speaking out, you know, within their community to, you know, government agencies um, and organizing around environmental Mm -hmm. issues. Um, at Public Lab, we're really excited to grow spaces for young people to organize with within their environmental interest, and we're looking forward to the growth of leadership by young people in their community. Um, we are actively piloting those programs I got to touch on um, that are aimed at building environmental literacy and fostering student-led inquiry, and um, I'm excited to see those students that I've had the chance to work with and other students really take the lead in the future. Uh, you know, I'd love to invite, you know, students who are striking on Fridays um, to take the time to go out and do something in the environment, experience it in this, you know, empirical way that we can with these DIY science tools um, and, and share what you find out um, because that that's really the, the key to this, that when we have knowledge, we, we have to share it um, so that people like, like Fridays for the Future and groups like that can use this data um, to, to make a real impact. Mimi, thank you so much for this interview. It was really nice to talk to you. Um, I wish you all the best for the future. And I hope to have you at some point in the future again on this show to talk about the future of Public Lab and what you've been doing. Thanks for having me.
Right, so in this episode, we talk to Mimi Spahn-Sattler. She's the education manager from Public Lab about the Community Microscope Kit and about democratizing science. This podcast will be published towards the end of 2019. And maybe it's time for you too to think about some changes you'd like to make in 2020. And one of these changes could be about changing your lifestyle towards a more environmentally friendly footprint. Think about it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Head over to kidslab.dev, check out the show notes, and of course, hit the subscribe buttons if you don't want to miss a future episode. Now, enjoy Sylvester, but then in 2020, be back soon because we're going to have a surprise episode waiting for you. 